Hey everybody, you've tuned in to this week's episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. On this week's show, guys, we're going to be talking boat buying and the industry as far as where it sits in March of 2021. Maybe you're in the market for a new or used boat. I'm going to break it all down for you, tell you the ins and outs of what you need to know, where the interest rate's sitting right now, what kind of terms are people getting on loans for boats, and is it a good time to buy a new or pre-owned boat? We'll talk about all that as well as give you guys a fishing report on a trip that we took this weekend. We'll tell you where we went, what we caught, and what we caught them on. All on this week's episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. Let's go. Well, hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. I'm your host, Jacob Robery, and as always, I would like to welcome you all into the show this week. Thank you for joining us. If you've stumbled upon us for the first time, we like to welcome you and thank you for tuning in. Chances are you're an avid outdoorsman just like we are, and you're tuning in to talk outdoors. We specifically talk outdoors here in the great state of Louisiana, so we have a lot to talk about this week, guys. Hope everybody's doing great. Uh, I'm sure many of you are grinding just like we are trying to make it through the work week so we can get to the weekend, we can enjoy some outdoor activities and, uh, and, and you know, try to kind of get away from the everyday stress of, of everyday life. So I know that's our goal every week. And now since hunting season is officially over for most of us, um, we are fast forwarding towards other activities such as working in the yard. Uh, but who likes to do that, to be honest with you? We're looking to do stuff like maybe take fishing trips um, and other outdoor activities. Some of you guys that are still hunting, you're probably turkey hunting, as turkey season has now opened here in Louisiana. And I know that's a big thing. A lot of guys that are, you know, turkey hunters, they, they really look forward to that, just like any of us do for waterfowl season or deer season and, you know, just like any other hunter. So, if you guys out in the woods right now turkey hunting man y'all could have it in my opinion that warm weather that we're experiencing this week and just wet nasty humid weather what's crazy guys is we went directly from what an ice storm just a couple of weeks ago to now we are in a, it seems like we went straight into summer there was no in between the temperatures started climbing hell we're looking at temperatures yesterday um you know in 84 degrees uh, it was showing, you know, on the thermometer. So, yeah, I mean, it, crazy, crazy. You noticed all the trees just started budding. We got leaves on the trees all of a sudden. And just to think that a couple of weeks ago, we, we were experiencing one of the coldest ice storms we have had in years. Welcome to South Louisiana. Welcome to Louisiana weather, down south weather, whatever you want to call it. It's just absolutely insane. So, yeah, no, 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 uh, no warning, Mother Nature directly in the summer pretty much and here we go but along with that i have to admit a lot of you know good things come with it so the the fishing action is definitely heating up i don't know about you guys but we've been trying to get out on the water every week now at least uh you know on sundays that's the the one day right now that my schedule allows me to go with the family and do some fishing and that's exactly what we've been doing so uh my, my profession which is the marine industry for those of you who have, you know, know me personally, you know I'm in the marine industry. I, I'm, I'm in boat sales, and uh, and that's the topic that we're going to discuss this week, guys. Because a lot of people 
are in the market for boats right now and i'm going to fill you guys in on where the industry is right now as of march 2021 there's a lot of information you need to know if you're planning on purchasing a new boat or a used boat uh, because things have definitely changed since the uh the covid 19 pandemic hit last year and those of you who are shopping right now you know exactly what i'm talking about you're probably having a hard time finding inventory out there at your local dealers and i'm going to kind of explain why that is you've probably heard a lot of rumors um, I know there's a lot of misconceptions out there with, with when it comes to the boat buying business right now. Um, and, and you don't want to make a costly mistake that can end up costing you lots of money uh, in the long run when you don't need to. So um, I'm going to fill you guys in on some tips and kind of, you know, we're going to kind of go back to where it was, what happened when the pandemic hit. Um, and all that we'll talk about on this episode, as well as give you guys a fishing report on a trip that we took uh, this weekend kind of tell you what where we went and what we did but yeah guys you know i mentioned the the covid 19 pandemic you hear it every day it's part of our everyday life now and it is no different uh in the way that it affected the the outdoor industry from a boat buying perspective or just an outdoor activity perspective such as camping um you know campers um, anything outdoor activity related really had a, a, a major boom in 2020. And we mentioned that briefly in one of the previous episodes. But, you know, when the pandemic hit last year, we are now celebrating just about the one year anniversary of when we kind of all went on lockdown as far as the, you know, not working, you know, or not going into work, uh, maybe working from home or the hours were adjusted as far as you know, when you were working on your schedule, you know, different things like that. You all know what I'm kind of talking about there. But already we're right at the one-year anniversary. That's a, that's a, that's hard to believe. I have to be honest with you. Um, you know, it's become the norm the way we are now. You know, as far as, you know, mask wearing and, you know, maybe you aren't mask wearing or whatever the situation may be. But no matter what, whether you participate or believe in that side of it, um, you know, it's definitely changed just our everyday life for sure. So it was no different in the marine industry last year. You know, whenever they announced that, you know, we were going to go on a lockdown and that they had the stipulations and regulations that the governor put out here in Louisiana, it was really a time where it was of uncertainty where we didn't really know what was going to happen from a, a outdoor, you know, um, an outdoor perspective as far as selling boats, campers, all that type of recreational stuff. You know, you were hearing that people were going to be losing jobs. You were going to hear, you were hearing people weren't going to be working. They were going to have to sell off assets just to make it. And, you know, a lot of that did not come to, to come, you know, did not end up panning out and coming true. But, you know, there were people that lost jobs. Many of you who listen to this show, you may have been somebody who was affected and maybe lost a job or you know your hours got cut drastically to where your income level was that was you know adjusted in, in a in a way that you weren't prepared for so you know what it ended up turning out was that we were noticing that of course last year when we were had our dealership we were um had a lot of foot traffic on a normal basis you know and it's not uncommon on a weekend to get you know many people come into the dealership shop us for boats um, we are a conglomerate. We're a privately owned dealership that has two locations. 
and we are a dealership that is a White River Marine dealership, which if you've heard the name White River Marine, um, that is the group that Johnny Morris, the owner and founder of Bass Pro Shops, and now the owner of Cabela's, he owns White River Marine. And White River Marine is an umbrella company or a parent company to many, many different brands in the marine industry. Your brands such as Nitro, Ranger Boats, Trident Boats, Tahoe Boats, um, Sun Tracker, Tracker, um, you name it, Johnny Morris pretty much owns it in the marine business. Um, and they're all housed under the White River Marine name. So we are an independent White River Marine dealer, have been since the 80s. And we usually have a lot of foot traffic, or we did have a lot of foot traffic pre-COVID-19 coming into the dealerships. And what we noticed is that when the pandemic hit, um, we were thinking that there was a possibility that sales would drop off drastically. Well, what we quickly noticed and realized was that, you know, the phone started ringing a lot more. We were getting contacted through social media a lot more on our website quite a bit more. The traffic picked up drastically in those areas. So what it was, was we quickly realized that customers that couldn't come into the dealership or didn't feel comfortable coming into the dealership, um, you know, they were doing their research and shopping online to make their purchases. So what happened from a, a personal family standpoint perspective when the pandemic hit? Well, what we noticed was that, you know, families that had been, you know, occupied with other stuff such as sports with their children. Um, you might have had a son that played baseball, basketball, football, um, a daughter that, you know, was in dancing um, or gymnastics, that type of stuff. Well, when everybody went on lockdown, a lot of that stuff came to an abrupt end. Um, you know, you couldn't get together in large groups. You couldn't have large gatherings. You couldn't do none of that stuff. So, you know, a lot of that, that team-oriented sport went out of the door. They canceled it for our kids. Um, and what it did was it forced families to kind of go in, um, you know, and stay, stay kind of secluded, kind of get back to, you know, the old school way of doing things. And they were looking for activities to do together as a family. And the outdoors industry is or appeal is something that's natural to most families to go fishing, to, you know, go camping, that type of stuff. So we noticed that there was a large uptick in the amount of people who were getting back into fishing, getting back into boating, getting back into camping, all those outdoor activities, ATV riding, that type of stuff that hadn't been able to do that type of activity for years, you know, because their children were involved in sports. Many of you listening to the show right now, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about when I say that. It was the same for my kids. You know, my boys play pretty much all sports, basketball, baseball. Uh, they play football. So when that all came to an end, it definitely pushed us to look for outdoor activities to do together whenever we were off and we had time when the kids were you know, not necessarily going to school anymore. They were doing more virtual. They only went on certain days, so they had more off days. And it, it really got us, you know, outdoors a lot more that we found. And that was the case with most families across the U.S. So what we noticed, like I mentioned, was that we had more people starting to shop for boats online, doing their, their research, you know, contacting us through social media. And you know, most dealers, when the pandemic hit, they were stocked up pretty well last year. You were able to find inventory very easily, um, as you do most years, because 
heading into this time of year, your March, your April, most dealers are already stocked up on inventory because it's usually boat show season at this time of year, which means that you could go to, you know, the New Orleans boat show. You could go to Gonzales to the, uh, the Louisiana Sportsman Show. You could go to Lafayette to the Outdoor Expo Show that they have there at the Cajun Dome. And you could shop for, for boats and look at all the different brands. You could kind of pick what you want if you're in the market for a boat. And you could, uh, you could make a deal at the show. So dealers are already stocked up when it comes around for boat show season. So, you know, with the pandemic hitting when it did, these shows last year, we were literally at the Louisiana um, Outdoor Expo or Sportsman Show at Lamar Dixon in Gonzales, Louisiana. Whenever they had to, uh, they had put a stipulation on closing it down um, because they wouldn't allow people, uh, you know, large gatherings to come into the building. So we were there for a four-day show, and I remember very well that we got notification after the show on Friday night, telling all dealers that we would, uh, they were going to close down the show, and we had to literally pack up all our inventory and uh, and take it back to the dealership. So, you know, we were able to have the New Orleans boat show last year in New Orleans before it really got, you know, the, the pandemic hit us and shut us down. So my point is, is that most dealers are going to be stocked up. So inventory is usually not hard to find. And it really wasn't at the beginning of last year when the pandemic hit. So people who were getting back into boating had a, had a lot to choose from. There were models all over the showroom floors, that type of stuff. Well, fast forward to later in the year, you know, the great thing about Louisiana and about the marine industry here is that we pretty much sell boats year-round here in Louisiana. And most of the dealerships down south, you're in the same situation. You can sell boats year-round in the south because we have warmer temperatures, the climate's just different. We don't have to winterize. We don't have big snowstorms, that type of stuff like a lot of you do up north. Um, so, you know, whenever you don't have that, you're able to have inventory and continue to sell boats throughout the year. So what we noticed is later in the year, last year, it was getting a little bit harder to get inventory from the manufacturers, okay? And you had you heard stuff, you know, they would kind of update us as a dealership on why, hey, a certain model, we can't get it to you right away because we're waiting on this component to build that particular boat or we're waiting on an outboard motor. That's a big part of it, you know, Yamaha, Mercury, Suzuki, the big brands in the industry, um, they have been hit hard by the pandemic as well as far as manufacturing goes. And it's been tougher for them to get, you know, merchandise out to their dealers and out to their to their manufacturers to be able to build boats. So we started noticing, you know, that inventory was getting a little bit harder to find and a little bit harder to find. So as we came into 2021, we placed orders like we normally do for the springtime. We had a very good idea that we would not have a boat show season this year because of the pandemic. Unless something changed, you had the election going on. All that politics stuff plays a part into, you know, whether we believe it or not. We, we can kind of read the writing on the wall, especially once the current administration got in. You know, we kind of knew things were going to be, you know, remain on lockdown or at least as much as they could you know, keeping businesses closed and stuff like that, um, you know, for whatever agenda that they're trying to fulfill. But we didn't realize that we would be in the situation that we sit in now as we enter into the mid part of March of 2021, guys. 
if you're in the market right now for a boat and you know this, if you've been looking, it is extremely difficult to find inventory in any dealership right now. You know, I mentioned White River Marine and we're a White River Marine dealer. Um, White River Marine, guys, is the largest boat manufacturing, you know, company in the United States. They house so many different brands under that one umbrella and that one name that they produce more boats than anybody in the U.S. And even though they're the largest manufacturer in the U.S., they still cannot supply their dealers right now with enough boats to stock on showroom floors right now. You know, we got notification a couple of weeks ago that said, hey, we are already at maximum build capacity in the factory right now for 2021. We will not be able to push you guys out inventory to stock your showroom floors for the rest of the year, more than likely. It's going to have to be an order type situation. And you, you kind of, if you're in the market to buy a boat right now, you're kind of scratching your head and you're saying, man, why, how is that possible? Well, all this stuff with the COVID pandemic stemming back from last year and the manufacturing process is the number one reason that, you know, they are short on inventory right now because components to build boats is hard to come by. On top of that, the boating industry last year with the boom that we talked about, you know, sales in the boating industry quadrupled in 2020 because you had such a large influx of new buyers coming to the market, purchasing boats that had done so in years or maybe were first time boat owners because they were looking to get outdoors with their family and do outdoor activities, which was great. It is great in my opinion, you know? But it makes it that, you know, the demand outweighs the supply. And anytime you run into that situation, it does several things. It can drive the cost of the product up, you know, because there's more people wanting it. There's not as many out there. Manufacturers have to pay more to get, you know, the materials to build the boat. So their prices go up. So what we're seeing in 2021 is, you know, you have an increase in pricing, which is not uncommon. You usually, you know, most most companies do in our business do a an increase yearly, you know, because prices only go up in materials and, and you know labor, all that type of stuff. So not only did we see a normal increase this year, but we also saw a little bit higher than normal increase this year in the cost of the boats on what they're costing you as the consumer, us as a dealer to be able to sell them and resell them. So you know, that definitely plays a part in it. But as far as getting inventory, we are in a situation now that if you're looking to buy a boat, it is not like the days of old where you could walk into a dealership and look at, you know, four or five different models, narrow it down, and then go from there with it, you know, and make your purchase. Um, you know, you have to be extremely educated on the type of research you do. That would be one of my number one tips that I could tell you if you're looking to buy a new or pre-owned boat this year. Do your research before you go into the dealer. And how do you do your research? You do it nowadays online, guys. You know, whether it's social, the, the dealership social media pages, the manufacturer social media pages, whether it is, you know, uh, going on YouTube, watching videos on a particular boat or brand that you're looking to purchase, get that stuff knocked out before you even contact the dealership. Another thing, another key point that you're going to want to do is 
know who your dealers are in your area because not all dealers are created equal trust me on that you know there are some really really good reputable dealers out there and there's some really shitty dealers out there you know and you may be in one situation or the other you may have a local dealership that's excellent or you may have one that you may not want to do business with so you need to be educated on what dealers are in your area kind of their reputation you could go online look at reviews you know and reviews you could take that for what it's worth you know i'm a big review guy i like to go on before i make purchases and i, I like to read reviews do that type of stuff but you know you get a lot of bullshit when it comes to reviews as well because you get people that you aren't going to make happy and they're going to get online now get behind a keyboard and they're going to bash bash a, a company you know um, you see it all the time. We talked about that in one of our previous episodes of the cult, cutthroat culture um, that we titled it a while back. It happens to individuals. It also happens to businesses, guys. It's just part of being in the social media age and the digital age. But, you know, you have to take it for what it's worth. You, you get online, you see 15 good reviews and then, a, a, you know, a bad review. Then chances are, you know, that's just a, cu a customer that was unhappy and, you know, had a bad experience and they went online and they, they told everybody about it, you know, but that's not the norm. So kind of, kind of make that judge call, judgment call yourself. You know, you have to kind of weed through that stuff to see what's bullshit and what's not bullshit, but definitely go online, kind of take a look at who your dealers are in your area. You're probably already familiar with them if you, you've been boating for years or you've been purchasing boats for years. So most people know whether or not they're going to buy from their local dealer or they're not going to buy from a local dealer, you know? So that's two of the most important things I could tell you guys. If you, you know, looking to purchase this year or anytime, really, you want to, you want to hop online. You want to do your research. You have a lot of information at your fingertips now with social media, good websites from dealerships, uh, from manufacturers, all that stuff is, is a lot better than it used to be. You know, I do still you know occasionally get the call i'll get it's, it's mostly the older generation i'll get a, a phone call from a you know an older gentleman or something and they'll say hey look could you possibly send me out a catalog uh in the mail to my house i'm interested in buying a boat and, and we don't mind doing that but i have to tell you that paper is going away you know it's not like it used to be where you could you know you we, a dealership just gets you know hundreds of catalogs on a particular brand most of the companies and the manufacturers out there are trying to do all that. They spend so much time, you know, and money that they invest in their websites and their social media pages and all that stuff that it's all digital now. So, you know, you have that information at your fingertips to access. Definitely use it to your advantage when making a, you know, a buying decision. So that's the two main things I could tell you in the buying process for purchasing a new boat or a used boat in 2021. You know, do your research online, use the information that's available out there digitally and uh, and to get you started. And then from there, you know, once you contact your dealer, it's a, there's a whole lot more information and stuff that's involved that I'm going to share with you guys when we come back from the break and what to expect and what to look for. So we'll get we'll get into that, guys, um, as soon as we return from the break. We'll be right back. This is Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. All right, everybody, welcome back to this week's episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. As I mentioned, I'm your host, Jacob Robery. And once again, I'd just like to thank everybody for tuning in. So we're talking boat buying 
in 2021, maybe you're looking to buy a new or used boat. In the first segment, we talked about choosing and using the information that's available to you to choose your dealer. If you're uh, looking to, you know, maybe purchase from your local dealer or maybe drive out of state to make a purchase, you have a lot of information at your fingertips digitally. And we talked about how to utilize and access that information in order to make a good decision to choose a dealer um, when you're looking to purchase, whether uh, whether it's a pre-owned or a new boat. Um, we also talked about the pandemic and how it had effects on boat buying in 2020, how sales boomed. You know, in 2020, there was quadruple the sales nationally in the boat industry for 2020 due to the COVID-19 pandemic and kind of where we sit now in 2021. So we talked about how now, guys, it is extremely hard to get inventory. But let's say that you've located a boat. You've actually, you know, you've selected your dealer now. You're ready to make a buying decision. You think you know what model you want to either purchase in store if you were lucky enough to do that or what to look for if you're maybe looking to order a boat with a dealer right now. So if you are lucky enough to find a boat in stock, guys, um, then you are the, the very blessed group or, or you know, um, you know, you, you are somebody who's been very lucky to locate something in stock at a dealership, then that is, that is a rarity right now. I have to be honest with you. But it does happen. So I'm not telling you guys to give up on finding a particular model in stock at a dealer. Um, you know, you may have to just go outside of your local dealership. You may have to go out of state um, if you're willing to do that. But there's a lot of stipulations when you buy out of state as far as registrations on the boats, paying taxes on the boats. And there's a lot of different things. I would always recommend to a, a consumer to buy within your state. If to make things easier, and to make the buying process a lot more streamlined, purchasing from an in-state dealer in the state that you live in will benefit you in the long run, in my opinion. A lot less red tape to go through, um, a lot less that you have to do personally. Your dealership can typically handle everything for you. Not to say that, you know, going out of state, it can't be done, but it's not the norm. I have to be honest with you. So let's discuss a couple of questions that we get. Now that we're ready to make a purchase on a boat, a lot of questions that we get are, you know, based off of, hey, how long can I go on a boat loan for this particular boat? What are the interest rates running right now? Um, you know, how much can I expect to put as a down payment? And then trade-ins. Trade-ins always play a big part of purchasing a new or used boat. We see a lot of trade-ins come in, so we'll talk about that as well. But let's start with interest rates, that type of stuff. So there's been some misconceptions that, you know, since the pandemic, interest rates have skyrocketed if you're looking to buy a boat or a camper, that type of stuff. And I have to tell you guys that that's not the situation. Um, interest rates have been holding pretty steady on recreational loans, on boats and stuff like that for about the last two to three years. Um, you know, if you are sitting in a good credit score range where I talk about a good credit score, I mean in that 700, uh, mid 700 on up, um, then you can expect an interest rate with most recreational loans right now, whether it's a boat, um, you know, or, or pre-owned or new, um, you're looking somewhere between five and a half percent and seven and a half percent with good credit right now. 
And some people kind of get thrown off when we tell them that. They're like, wow, that's high, man. You know, on my truck, I got, you know, 1.9. Well, you may have, and you probably did on a vehicle because it is a lot easier to get financed for a vehicle than it is for a boat sometimes. And it's looked at as a necessity type, you know, piece of equipment, not a recreational where you use it sporadically. So recreational loans are always typically going to be higher interest rates. Uh, you know, and I can tell you that we use national lenders, we use local credit unions, and there's nobody out there that's extremely cheaper than the other lender. Um, you know, rates, like I mentioned, you could pretty much book it if you walk into a dealership this summer. You're going to be somewhere in that 55 to 7.5% range with good credit scores. Now, you know, if you don't have such good credit, what, where's the cutoff? I get that a lot of times. That's a question we get. Well, typically 600. If you're somewhere in that 600 range for credit, you have about a 50-50 chance of getting approved for a boat loan. Um, it could go either way. But if you're, you know, 600 and above, <clears throat> there's a good chance you could get approved for a boat loan. You may be paying a higher interest rate if you are subprime, excuse me, guys, I'm trying to clear my throat. So, you know, good credit scores, that five and a half to seven and a half range is very common. If your credit score is coming in, you know, in the low 600s, then you may go to what they call subprime, which is, you know, you have a good chance still of getting approved, but you may be paying higher interest rates. So another question that we get is how long are the terms on these loans? Okay. So the average term that most people are financing boats nowadays, guys, is anywhere from 10 to 12 years. And you may say, wow, that's a long time. And it is, it is a long time. But let me explain a couple of things in regards to that. First of all, <clears throat> all these loans that you see now on boats, campers, all that type of stuff is what they call simple interest loans. So what that means is that if you double pay on a payment or you pay off that loan early, there is no prepayment penalties for that. So that's exactly what people are doing nowadays. They'll finance a boat 10, 12 years. They even go up to 20 years on some of the high-end ones. Like if you're spending, you know, $80,000 on a range of bass boat that's rigged out, you know, and with equipment and all that, you may spend anywhere from eighty dollars to $100,000. Well, a customer like that could get financing all the way up to 20 years nowadays. And you're saying, shit, that's as long as a house is financed for. You're right, it is. But what these customers are doing is they don't normally pay that, that full-length term on that loan. What they'll do is they, they when they make the purchase, they'll typically buy extended warranty on the outboard motor. <clears throat> they'll keep it three or four years, and then they'll turn around, and they'll either trade it in and move into something else, or they'll sell it outright to somebody and make another purchase on another boat so they aren't actually paying 10 12 15 or 20 years on these loans it's almost i tell people a lot of times it's almost like a lease like you know customers are they'll stretch out the payments get their notes as low as they can and then they'll turn around and they flip them a couple of years later and get into something else so it's almost like they're doing a lease program um, and that's how people are able to do it that's exactly how these professional fishermen, you know, I'm a huge, you know, fan of Bassmaster and all that stuff. I follow the circuits, Major League Fish and all that type of stuff. 
guys, how do you think these professional fishermen do it? You know, you see them in a new boat every year or every two years. I got friends of mine that actually fish MLF and fish Bassmaster, you know, Elite Series. And I know for a fact those guys are not getting their boats free. You hear people say that and that blows my mind. They're like, oh, they, you know, they pros, they, their sponsors give them that. Fuck no, a sponsor doesn't give a guy a $100,000 bass boat, you know? That ain't how it works, guys. So that they're in the same situation as the consumer, except they probably have more pressure on them as professional fishermen. So what they'll do is they'll finance. They, they, they do, most of them do get discounts on the product as far as the brand of boat that they're sponsored by. But they surely don't get it free. I can promise you that. So what they'll do is they, they'll finance them, you know, long term. And then they'll keep it a year or two years. And then they got to turn around and sell that boat. And that's why you always see these guys advertising on Bass Boat Central or, you know, um, you know, Facebook Marketplace or on their own social media pages that, hey, guys, we I have my boat's going to be coming up for sale, you know, in a couple of months. And they start kind of shopping it out <clears throat> before they even get to the point where they're ready to sell it. Because those guys are in a more pressured situation than the average consumer. They don't want to have to sit on a on a boat or order a new boat for the upcoming season and still have their old boat that they haven't sold yet and they end up having to pay two boat notes. I could promise you those guys don't want to be in that situation. So they have a lot of pressure to be able to finish up the season that they're in, put that boat up for sale and turn around and flip it. The good thing for them is they have lots of connections in the industry. So they're able to, you know, know people um, that help them sell that boat and they may pay them a small commission off of. I've had professional anglers actually contact me and, you know, say, hey, look, if you can help me sell my boat, um, then I'll cut you, a, you know, a commission off of it. So that, that happens. And whatever local dealership that professional works with, you know, in his area, he may have a relationship and a partnership to where that dealership helps him sell that boat at the end of the season when it's time to sell it. Now, us as the consumer, things are a little bit different. You know, you have to go to a dealership if you're looking to trade it in and get a trade eval and go through that process. Or you have to sell it outright yourself, which we all know is an absolute fucking nightmare. You know, how many times have we tried to sell something online ourselves? You know, you, you, the, the Facebook Marketplace thing is, is a great example. You know, you put it on Facebook Marketplace, you list it, you put all the details, all the specs there shouldn't be very many questions left unanswered, yet people do not take the time to read the ad completely, and they're asking you all the same general bullshit questions that you already have the information posted online in your post and in your ad. So you spend most of your time having to answer questions that have already been addressed in your post, or if you get to the point where you, you meet people, they want to take test drives. You know, of course, somebody looking to buy a pre-owned boat is going to want to test drive it. You know, they're going to want to run the motor. They're going to want to do that stuff. So then you're left dealing with the consumer, and it could become an absolute fucking nightmare, you know? So oftentimes people will, you know, just say, hey, I'd rather trade it into the dealership and just deal directly with the dealer on it, you know, because it's a lot more simple process. And that happens. That's very common. You know, our particular dealership, we deal with a lot of trade-ins. 
and it's a good part of our business, you know? So we look for trade-ins. We, we, we always welcome people looking to trade in. And, uh, and, you know, we work with those individuals on an individual case basis with what they have. But going back to the buying process, guys, another big part of it, a big question that we always get is down payment. Can I do no money down? That's a question I get quite often. And I have to be honest with you, it's not like on a car. You know, most most of us can walk into a car dealership, good credit, bad credit. You can still get financed for a vehicle nowadays. You know, even if you have bad credit, a lot of times you can still get it with no money down. Well, that's not going to be common in the boating industry. So if you're looking to purchase a boat this summer, then you need to expect and plan ahead that you have about 10% down of whatever the total purchase price of your boat is that you're going to purchase, whether it's new or used. So what what I mean by that is if you're buying a $50,000 boat, guys, expect to bring $5,000 down to the closing table when you purchase that boat. Most lenders are looking for a minimum of 10%. Now, if you're in that category of subprime, which I told you, your credit score is lower, you know, maybe you're squeaking in on the credit score requirements, then in some instances, they will require more than 10% down. It's not real common, but it is something that we do see from time to time. So they could hit you with more than 10%. So if you're subprime or you know that your credit score is maybe kind of squeaking in as far as getting an approval, maybe try to save up before you make that big purchase on a new or used one with a little bit more, maybe save 15% of the total purchase price for closing as far as putting a down payment goes. So 10% is the magical number. That's the minimum required from most dealers or most finance companies, let me say that, not dealers, because it's not your dealer that actually is the one that determines the down payment. So 10% down, um, you know, now is there situations where you see no money down? Yes, it, it can happen. It's very uncommon. It's not something I see on a regular basis at all, uh, but it can happen. If you have superb credit, I'm talking, you know, A plus credit where you had 800 credit score or somewhere in that range, then it is possible that a lender will come back and say, okay, hey, you're approved, no money down, and you know, here's your options as far as notes and terms. It does happen from time to time, but once again, it is not the norm, guys. So expect to bring 10% with you down at closing, um, you know, and you'll put that down on, on a boat if you're looking to purchase new or used. Another thing, as far as deposits go, I, this is very important. So take this in. If you're looking to find a boat this summer in a dealership and you're lucky enough to be one of those consumers that find the boat you're interested in in stock, I would highly recommend immediately putting a deposit with your dealer on that particular boat that you find in stock. Too many times we are upfront with customers. We tell them, hey, I recommend putting a deposit if you want to hold it. And then we'll just hold it until you get financed for it for a week or two, whatever it may take. Most financing, if you're dealing with your dealership, most financing could be done, submitted, and uh, have an approval back within 24 hours in a dealership. So if you secure that boat with a deposit, it's going to secure that, you know, no other person could come in and buy it while you're trying to get financed. Um, it's going to, you know, 
protect you against possibly the dealership having another salesman sell that boat to a consumer that they're working with. There's a lot of things that could happen on a, a particular boat in stock. And too many times I see customers that don't want to put a deposit or, hey, well, I'll just, I'll try to get finance forward, then, then I'll uh, go from there. Because, A, they don't have 10% down to put. And I'm not saying you have to put 10% as a deposit, guys. Most dealerships will work with you on what the amount of the deposit is. But my point is, put a deposit on a boat if you find it in stock, especially if you find it in stock in 2021. Because they are so hard to come by on the floor. It will secure until you can get your financing locked up. That's a, that's a key tip to help you guys. What else? Trade-ins. That's another big part of it. Trade-ins. You know, trade-ins, like I mentioned, are a big part of the business <clears throat> for most dealers. I know it is for our dealership. Well, if you're looking right now for pre-owned, it's, it's very hard to find pre-owned just like it is to, to find new boats. If you do find pre-owned, prices are extremely high it seems like right now they're trending very high people are asking top dollar for used boats right now they're selling them out right uh, you know going to a dealership will protect you against that type of stuff and i'm going to tell you why because a dealership if you're going to finance it through a dealership it has to be submitted to lending to the to the finance company and the finance company will only approve the loan if it's booking out at the correct numbers, it's supposed to be resold for. So when you go to a dealership and you purchase a new or used boat and a dealer submits that, you know, application and that buyer's order to a lender, then they have their underwriters go and look at the current values of the boat, motor, and trailer. And if it's above that, especially on pre-owned in this situation, then they will not approve it or they'll come back and tell the dealer, hey, this is book. You're asking too high for what this thing is booking at. So it protects you as a consumer from overpaying for a boat. To where if you're buying it from an individual and this individual selling, you know, say it's a used pontoon boat at what you could buy. You know, in my, I had a guy the other day call me and he said, hey, he said, Jacob, I'm looking to get a, uh, you know, buy possibly this used pontoon boat. I just want to see if you think it's a fair price. Could you help me out? And I don't mind doing that for somebody. I said, yeah, sure. So I, I pulled it up. I looked at book value on it. And the customer was asking, or I'm sorry, not the customer. The seller was asking for a four-year-old pontoon what you could buy a 2021 version for. You would just have to order and wait a few weeks, you know? And I told the guy that. He said, man, I'm glad I called you. Because I thought it was a little high, but, you know, I haven't bought a boat in years and I just wanted to kind of check with a dealer. So, you know, him making that that phone call and picking up the phone and calling me, um, he was about to pull the trigger from what it sounded like on this boat. And I may have saved him some money by him just calling me, you know, and giving him that piece of advice. So don't be afraid to do that. Pick up the phone, call your local dealer. Um, call a dealer and even if you're trying to buy it from a consumer, you know, a, a private private seller, then, you know, most dealers, it takes them a minute or two to pull up a book value on it for you and tell you, hey, it's a good call or not a good call to make a purchase on this from this person, you know? So that's also a little tip that I, I can tell you guys to do, you know, because that may save you some money and may, you know, cost you 
you know, uh, from making a big mistake that's going to ultimately cost you a lot of money down the road. You know, you don't want to make a bad decision when it comes to that because you're eager to pull the trigger on a boat just to get a boat right now, you know, but trade-ins, like I mentioned, going back to the trade-in portion of it, man, guys, like our, our particular dealership, we normally have anywhere from 15 to 20 used boats on hand at all times. Like I mentioned, we are very proactive in, in, you know, looking for trade-ins, maybe making private purchases. And we do that from time to time. If somebody's looking to sell a boat, um, and I have to tell you that right now, uh, we don't have a single used boat on the lot. Trade-ins have come to a screeching halt since the pandemic hit uh, because people are, A, they're holding on to some of their boats or they're selling them outright because they, they're hearing that they could get top dollar for them. So if they're looking to buy a new boat and they want to get rid of their old boat, they're selling it outright now. You know, they're, they're putting up with that headache that we talked about because they could get a little bit more money for them right now. People are desperate to find boats right now so they're they're going out there and they're paying too much for a boat um you know from an individual when they 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 don't really have to but they're in a hurry to get a boat and they're afraid that they won't be able to find something in stock or they don't want to wait to order a boat you know so it's really your choice ultimately on how much money you're going to spend and the the type of way you're going to spend that money so don't rush to make a decision would be my advice on that, you know? Um, right now, if you go into a dealership in 2021, at least as of March 2021, um, ordering process is something that is going to be a term that you hear. You could order a boat. You probably, those of you who are shopping right now have been calling dealers and they're telling you, no, I don't have it in stock, but I could order it for you. So right now, you know, what they mean by that is that you could come into the dealership or you could do it virtually over the phone, email, that type of stuff. You could actually select the boat that you want from the manufacturer that you want to purchase. And you could go through your local dealer and order that boat right now with them. You could place an order. And, you know, when you do that, they're going to let you know what the expected time frame is for placing the order and having it delivered to the dealership. They'll tell you, hey, look, we're looking at eight to 10 weeks or, you know, three months or six months or whatever it may be, depending on the, 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 the manufacturer and the brand that you're looking to purchase. So your dealer could give you that information up front when you order the boat. Um, you know, I know with our companies that we deal with right now, they are, you know, asking for a 5% deposit towards any order and a signed copy of the purchase order by the customer. So certain manufacturers may have requirements, you know, as far as ordering the boat goes. And the reason our manufacturers are requesting that is so that dealers don't put in fake orders in order to try to stock their floors. They don't put in what we call dummy orders. You know, somebody that doesn't exist. Oh yeah, I got an order on this particular pontoon boat. Um, So they place an order with the manufacturer. They ship it into them. And then they just put it directly on their showroom floor. Don't think that dealers won't do that. You know, I'll even say it's something that, you know, if we could do it and do it without, you know, causing any stir, we would do it. Because who doesn't want to stock their showroom floors right now? They'll sell the product. So in order to, you know, eliminate that and for the manufacturers to focus on building boats that are ordered by customers for customers, there have certain requirements that they're asking us to do right now with those customers. So don't be surprised if 
you show up to order a boat with the dealer right now and they tell you, hey, it, it, you're going to have to put a deposit down on it. And uh, there could be a few other little stipulations like maybe uh, coming in to sign a purchase agreement on the boat. That's not going to be uncommon right now. So that could, that could definitely happen as well. So guys, hopefully that is a little run through of what to expect if you're looking to purchase a new or used boat this year. Um, don't give up, like I mentioned, on finding something in stock at a dealer. Definitely follow up with your local dealer or whoever you're trying to deal with. Look online. Use those tools we talked about to go out and, you know, social media, you you know, YouTube, um, websites, all that type of stuff to try to find inventory. But don't, you know, don't, if you're getting frustrated with that process, then the best thing to do is probably go into your local dealer or whoever you want to deal with and just go ahead and order that boat. That is the only way that you can guarantee that that boat, you're going to get exactly what you want, the options that you want, the colors that you want, all that stuff that you may be particular about that you want on that particular boat. That is what you would want to do is go in and order a boat. You know, a lot of customers are frustrated right now with the wait times. If they do order boats with the wait times and I could 100% agree with you as the consumer. I understand that, you know, it's summertime. You're ready to get out there. You want to do some fishing. You want to do some boating with your family. Um, and man, you know, eight to 10 weeks, eight to 12 weeks, three months, two months, five months is a long time to wait. Yes. I agree with you hundred percent. It is. Why is it taking that long? Well, just to keep it short guys, the reason it's taking that long is because of the materials that these manufacturers use to build these boats. It, you know, a lot of this stuff since the COVID pandemic is on back order. Um, a lot of these companies are running out of supplies or their distributors can't supply it because it may be coming from overseas. Um, and it could be stuff as simple as plexiglass windshields for boats. It could be that this particular model boat, um, just use a, a Nitro Z19, for instance, may use these particular rims that come on this boat package. And the manufacturer or the distributor for those rims is, you know, can't get the rims or they can't produce enough for the demand and the amount of orders that are out there. So the wait times for them to get those rims to, you know, Nitro is taking longer. So all that plays a part into how long it takes for you to get your boat. The dealers, too many times I see consumers, they, it's almost like they think the dealer's holding the boat back from them. Well, I can promise you one thing, guys. You know, most, most salesmen and most dealerships are working on commission, you know. I promise you, me as a salesman in the outdoor and marine industry, I am not withholding a boat from any customer that wants to buy a boat. It is not me. You think I don't want to get paid on a boat that I sell to a customer and I want to hold off on that? I promise you that's not the situation. So, you know, cut your local dealer a little bit of slack. They're only an extension of the manufacturer that you're looking to purchase. They, you know, they can only do so much. Yes, they are your main line of frontline communication, but they don't have control over how fast that boat gets to you. So if it's going longer than what they had told you originally, chances are it's a manufacturing holdup that they're waiting on something to complete the build of that boat and it's taking longer than they thought it would. So hopefully if the manufacturer is 
you know, relaying that information and that that uh, that hold up to the dealer, then your dealer is therefore communicating that with you as the customer. So a good dealership is typically going to be able to do that. That's where you see differences in who you're working with as a dealership. So guys, I hope this has really kind of enlightened you guys. If you're in the market for a boat, maybe you're not right now. And maybe some of this information was, you know, boring to you, but there's a lot of people out there that is talking about purchasing boats on a daily basis right now. Um, as outdoorsmen, that's a big part of who we are and what we do. And all these questions are questions that consumers have. At some point or another, as an outdoorsman, you're going to purchase a boat, you know, new or used, um, or some piece of outdoor equipment, ATVs, UTVs, you know, all that stuff. This information we shared today you know, also relates to all of that as well. You know, we're an ATV and a UTV dealership as well at my dealership. And all this stuff is common questions that we get asked by consumers that are either hectic to walk into a dealership and buy because they don't know the answers or when they get in there, you know, we have to spend two or three trips of them coming to the dealership or phone calls over the phone asking these common questions that we talked about in this week's show. So hopefully this show gave you guys some information that you need to know that's going to help you and ultimately in the long run going to make you make a better purchase and buying decision and not waste money or end up losing money on a purchase that you regret later down the road. All right, guys. So as we head into the final segment, we'll do one more segment, a closing segment. We're going to give you guys an update and a fishing report on a trip we made out. I told you at the beginning of the show this weekend, we'll tell you where we went when we come back on this week's episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. Stay tuned. All right. Welcome back from the break. Guys, we're now coming to an end on this week's show. And as always, every week you hear me talk about a bunch of great companies that we partner with that support our show here on Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors Podcast. And I want to take the time to, every week to invite you guys to visit with these great companies. Um, several of them are, are Louisiana-owned and operated companies that are outdoor industry companies. You hear me talk about them on a weekly basis, guys. Uh, you know, companies like Benoit Performance Baits, my buddy Blake Benoit over in Thibodeau, Louisiana. Um, Chris Thornton, owner and operator of Cajun Tackle House out of Morgan City, Louisiana. As well as other companies um, that you heard us talk about throughout waterfowl season, such as Patrick Ergfitz, owner and operator over at Beaver Creek Game Calls. Um, you know, my buddy Romeo Mamalo over at Wrap It Up Cajun Customs. Um, a lot of you have been getting in contact with Romeo. You've been looking to do some vinyl wrapping on your firearms, whether it's a shotgun, a rifle, uh, a personal protection firearm, such as an AR or maybe even a handgun. Um, you know, Romeo has been doing some really phenomenal stuff with his wraps that he does. Um, but that's just a couple of companies. Um, you know, we talk about Anchor.fm that hosts our podcast that you guys listen to on a weekly basis and distribute it out to you so you guys can get it on the platforms that you listen to. There's a whole lot that goes on behind the scenes and companies that are supporting our show that we want to thank. Um, thank for doing so and invite you guys to visit their social media pages and their websites because they make phenomenal products. 
um, that I think a lot of you guys would be um, very happy and pleased to use. So check those guys out. Um, you know, there's so many great companies out there that are based here right in Louisiana that make great outdoor products. Um, you know, we're just blessed enough and fortunate enough to work with a couple of them. So make sure you take the time to stop by their social media pages and their websites and check them out and let them know that you heard about them here on Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. They really appreciate it when you guys give them that feedback. Well, guys, as promised, I told you that in the final segment, I was going to give you guys a fishing report, tell you tell you where we took a trip to. Um, if you've listened to the last couple of shows, we have been you know, doing quite a bit of sockeye fishing, or for those of you who don't know what sockeye are, crappie fishing or white perch fishing. Um, so that's been something that we've been doing the last couple of weeks, um, especially on Sunday whenever I have the day off from work um, and I'm able to get my family out on the water. Um, we've been heading down south to Pierport, Louisiana. Um, we took a trip down there this Sunday. We didn't bring the whole family this time. We ended up it ended up being me and Jackson. We uh, we went ahead. We went down to Pierport, and uh, we did some fishing in Lake Verret this weekend. Lake Verret has been extremely hot over the last you know month or two, and it usually is. You know, for those of you who who've never fished Lake Verret, it is a phenomenal fishery here in South Louisiana. Um, it's one of those areas that tends to stay a lot more stable um, with water conditions because you don't have the tide influence it as much as you do in the Chafalaya Basin Spillway and uh, you know areas like Bayou Black, all that those areas. So the water tends to be a lot more stable. The conditions seem to be a lot more stable. And you know at this time of year, when you hit January, February, March, the spawn time. Um, it is it is a, a hot spot here in South Louisiana for most tournaments to be held out of if you're bass fishing um, or if, if you're a pan fisherman, you know, because the water is more stable. So, you know, with that being said, we took another trip down to Lake Verrett this weekend um, and we started hitting. We've kind of been, you know, migrating more towards the lake area because what I find is that a lot of the Sacolay have been um, you know, kind of moving out of some of the canal systems. Um, you still could catch some canals that have fish in it, no doubt, that are still doing their thing with the spawn. But honestly, with the warm weather that we've had over the last, you know, couple of weeks since the ice storm, it really progressed the spawn uh, here in South Louisiana and got those fish doing their thing early. And they are now starting to be in that post-spawn stage. Um, you still do have some fish that are set up and staged up to spawn, but I do notice that a lot of the fish that we are catching or that, you know, peers of mine have been catching are those male sockeye that are being caught right now. Um, you know, you're catching those, those beautiful black dark colored males. And for those of you who, uh, who don't know what I'm talking about, go check out our social media page. We have a post up there that me and Jackson took a couple of snapshots from our trip this past Sunday, and uh, you'll see those, that dark color to those to those male fish that we've been catching. And I'm talking absolutely beautiful sockeye. Um, you know, the week before we we caught those fish, we had brought home right at 50. I think we ended up with the week before, and the pattern that week that we found out was that the fish were moving up on the cypress trees. Um, you know, if it was a Tupelo gum tree or anything like that, they wasn't on it. But if you hit a cypress tree, those fish were spawning on those cypress trees 
and you could, you know, pick off multiple sockeye off of each tree if you found a good canal that they were spawning in. And that's what we had did that week when we brought home um, a good mess of fish. We had, you know, made a pass through a cut, you know, that I had, we had fished off of what the area they call Grand Bayou. And we had found a canal that had some spawning fish and we were able to pick off multiple fish off of each cypress tree. So we tried to go back and kind of repeat that same process in the area, um, you know, that we had fished the week before. And it completely changed in just a week. We had a lot of warm weather throughout the week, you know, so those fish probably kind of, you know, sped up the spawn. They kind of did their thing that week. And I think they started backing up off of the trees somewhat. Um, we were still able to catch a couple on cypress trees, but it wasn't like they were the week before where you were, they were stacked up on them. What I did notice this past Sunday is that the fish were pulling off of those trees and you know, these canals, these dead end canal systems off of Lake Verrett, a lot of times they'll have, you know, these grass mats that come up in the springtime. Um, this beautiful green grass, it's almost like a clover look to it, um, that grows on these mats. And these fish were staging up against the grass mats this past Sunday. Now, we didn't catch as many fish as we did the week before. I think we ended up bringing home 26 this past Sunday. But the fish that we caught were still good size sockeye. I didn't have to throw any fish back. Um, they were all keeper size, and I'm talking, you know, bigger than your hand, the, the, an average grown-up's hand. So real, real good size still. Like I mentioned, a lot of males were being caught that we caught. Um, you know, when we got home and we cleaned them and filleted them, didn't have any eggs in them. I thought we might've had one or two, maybe three that had eggs in it. Um, so it was mostly males that we were catching and we were still able to go shallow and catch them because, you know, in South Louisiana, guys, it's predominantly shallow water. So even when you're talking what we consider deep water here in South Louisiana, you may be only talking about, you know, a channel that's running seven, eight feet of water. Most of these dead end canal systems are all old oil field canals that run off of these lakes. And they're shallow water. They're dredge canals that they use for oil fill industry uh, to be able to, you know, put meters and gas lines and oil, you know, that type of stuff, you know, industrial lines. Um, so, it, it, you know, it's shallow water canals to begin with. So we're, we were able to still catch these fish shallow this past Sunday. Um, we were only fishing about a foot and a half under a slip cork. Um, and we were catching them on, once again, kind of repeated the same process as the week before. We were catching them on a triple tail black and chartreuse or a June bug and chartreuse um, solid tube jig with a triple tail curl tail on the end of it. Now, something that I'm a huge believer in, and I don't know if I actually mentioned this last week, but what I tend to do and I find makes a big difference for us personally is that we always carry the little niblets, the little, you know, soccer or crappie niblets. Uh, in our boat, that's something that my grandfather taught me years ago when we had a camp up at Celine Larto. We did a lot of sockele or white perches, as they called it up there, fishing. And, uh, you know, I, I really got heavy in the, into sockele fishing, um, you know, at that time in my life. And my grandfather taught me a lot about it. He was a really good fisherman when it came to that. And he was a, a huge believer, a firm believer in the, uh, the crappie niblets, the little doe niblets that uh that you put on you know tip a jig with or something like that and uh and i use that to this day you know i have if you look at my tackle 
um, that I bring that I have for Sokolo fishing. I have four or five jars of crappie niblets usually. And if my family's with me, we throw one in the back of the boat. We, I keep one up in the front of the boat on the front deck. And I tip all my tube jigs with those crappie niblets. Now, I can tell you it does make a difference, guys. It, it really does work. It doesn't seem to matter color so much. I know they make them in chartreuse, whites, pinks, all your different colors. And some days it does kind of matter what color. But for the most part, as long as you have that crappie niblet on there, you will find that you probably get, you know, you know, I'd say probably five bites to every one bite that you get without the niblet. And, and uh, trust me, I'm telling you the truth when I say that. My wife, she hates to mess with them. She just don't like to take the time to, you know, take it out of the jar, put one on. And there's days where I'll catch four or five and she don't get a bite or she might catch one. And she's like, okay, give me the damn jar, you know, and she'll, she'll go ahead and she'll start tipping her jig. So, um, so they work, trust me, they do work. If you don't think they work, I promise you they do. They, they're very inexpensive. You can pick them up at Walmart Academy, Bass Pro Cabela's, any, any of your local tackle stores. You'll see them there, a couple of bucks for a jar of them. So if you end up pan fishing, you want to have more success, I highly recommend getting you uh, one or two jars of the crappie niblets to tip your jigs with. Um, you know, and it, and it really works. Another key factor that I do personally, and, and, and I consider myself to be a pretty good pan fisherman when it comes to, you know, sackleth fishing and, and or white perch fishing, whatever you want to call it here in South Louisiana, we're usually able to go out and make a trip and put a, put a box of fish together. But something that I, I do that has always worked for me and another thing that my grandfather taught me years ago is using small diameter line for sackleth fishing. Believe it or not, the smaller the line that you can get away with as far as, you know, pound test line, um, it does produce more bites for you. It seems like those fish like a smaller diameter line. Um, they definitely, um, you know, do notice or it does make a difference when it comes to that. And what I mean by that is, you know, I typically look for when I'm pan fishing, anything from a four pound to a six pound test line is what I like to use on my reels. When I'm when I'm pan fishing, especially sockleye fishing, um, you know some of the reels that we get whenever you buy them out of the store, they'll come with 10 pound test line, 12 pound test line, and that's all fine and dandy. Usually, when you get them on these reels, it's one of the cheaper lines. It's something that's not real good quality to begin with, but I would do notice, and my grandfather taught me that over the years, that you'll notice that you get more bites with that smaller diameter line. So I tend to, you know, take that string that comes on them off if it comes with a, a larger pound test line and I'll restring it with some four pound or six pound monofilament. And you talk about makes a difference when it comes to the fall rate of your jig. You know, what size jig head you're using also plays a huge factor in that. I like to go small on my jig heads as well, but smaller pound diameter fishing line also makes a big difference. So that's just a couple of quick tips for you guys to help you out. But uh, it's done some really good, you know, uh, for us over the years. We have had a lot of success, you know, bringing home some nice boxes of fish when it comes to soccer fishing, especially in public waters. Um, it really it really makes a difference. It can separate you from, you know, um, fishing against five or six other people in a canal that, uh, that, you know, you're all competing to try to catch some fish. So... We had another successful trip. It really looked, you know, like 
the spawn is starting to get into that post post spawn stage um, now we are expecting a lot of rain midweek i think on uh wednesday night this week here in louisiana we have some um you know some rain expected to come through that's going to produce some severe weather um it's also going to cool down again this week we're going to be when we wake up on thursday morning we're supposed to be in the mid 50s again this week here in south louisiana those of you in north louisiana you're going to be even cooler um you know so that, that's going to you know throw another curveball it's going to kind of change things up the water conditions are going to change the the water temperature is going to change um so heading into the weekend it's looking like the forecast is going to be really nice uh lots of sun this weekend we're all going to be able to get out on the water again but it may change the conditions as far as the water temperature dropping down a little bit again um, and also how much water fresh water we receive from the rain is also going to make a difference so those fish are going to react different you know and it, it may change them up a little bit from what i'm telling you now but as of this past weekend still shallow still on cover um, just a different type of cover they were they were more on the grass beds than they were on the trees um, and same colors that we used the week before you know i mentioned black and chartreuse and also uh, you know june bug and chartreuse that's two of my favorite go-to colors um, so those two colors produced for us and we were able to, you know, put it together a really good box of fish. Besides that, the fishing has been hot. We mentioned it last week, guys, all across the state. Uh, Toledo Bend is, is busting wide open right now. A lot of you guys are headed north to Toledo Bend, uh, especially from South Louisiana. I know there's a big push of people that, uh, that frequent Toledo Bend this time of year. There's some big bass being caught because the bass are shallow right now. And we are, you know, here in Louisiana, we're predominantly shallow water fishermen for the most part. So when those those bass start moving up in Toledo Bend and they start doing their thing, bedding up, um, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a fun trip to make for sure because it is one of the best bass fishing lakes in the country. So if you've never made a trip to Toledo Bend, I, I highly recommend it, especially March, April. You know, that, that frog bite's going to be turning on right after these fish are, are bedding up, and they're going to start turning on when those temperatures rise. Um, that it's some, it's some really fun fishing. That's one of my favorite times of year to head up north to Toledo Bend, do some frog fishing. The shad spawn, when it's on, it's really good for your topwater bite. Um, and that's what you, you, you know, you're starting to see when you get into that, those warmer temperatures and that time of year when you start getting into April and May. So it can be really fun. It's, it's inexpensive. You can take a trip up to Toledo Bend, book you a cabin somewhere. Um, it's really not an expensive trip to make. And I promise you, you will have fun and have a good time. So, but like I mentioned, a lot of good fishing all over the state. I actually got several more reports and guys, for me to sit there and tell you that it, it, it's just good everywhere. I'll be honest with you. It hasn't been slow i mean we're in the spawn right now you know or heading into the post spawn in some you know some areas and it has just been on fire to fishing so get out there um go to your favorite lake chances are you're gonna have a successful trip um you know i just thinking out loud i know my buddy jared hughes that's with us here we have a camp together and uh in the chafalaya basin jared and one of his buddies took a trip over to uh i think it was lacassine that opened up if i'm not mistaken i have to verify that but i believe it was lacassine and man if on his social media page they posted some fish they went bass fishing and they had some absolute studs that they caught uh you know over there so that was his first time making a trip there he told me he was going to be going 
um, and they they definitely made the best of it um, on that trip this past weekend that they made. So, you know, with the next full moon, it'll probably only get better. There'll be bigger fish. I believe uh, the first fish of the morning they caught was was one at eight pounds or just over eight. So, uh, never got to fish it personally. That's something that I'd like to do is make a trip there. But uh, you know, I, I hear some really good stories that come out of there that are uh, that are make me want to make a trip there. I can promise you that. So. But, yep, that's the deal, guys. Told you I would uh, give you a report on where we went, what we caught them on, what we caught. And uh, hopefully that helps you guys if you're looking to make a trip. I know I got several messages from you guys last week and a couple of phone calls after the show asking me to uh, to kind of key them in, key you guys in on a few specifics. You were looking to make a trip and, uh, and you wanted to get some more information. So I don't mind at all you guys contacting me. Let me know. Contact us through social media. We'll be glad to help you. But for this week, guys, our time is coming to an end. So I want to thank you all again for tuning in to this week's show. Um, I'm so grateful, and I know I say that every week. I'm so grateful for you guys tuning in. A lot of you tune in on a regular basis. Um, You've shared our show with your friends, with your hunting buddies, your fishing buddies. And for that, I am grateful. I say thank you to you. Um, We're going to keep doing it. We love doing it. Um, we love talking to you guys. We love sharing stories with you guys. And, uh, and, and we have plans to, to do it for many years to come. So I hope you guys enjoy it and stick with us um, because we sure love talking to you guys about everything outdoors in Louisiana. So we'll do it again next week, guys. But until then, this is Jacob, your host of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors Podcast. Bid you farewell and hope you guys have a good weekend. Let's go catch some fish.